On this episode, we discuss a pushback with private space projects, how Apple responded to recording apps, and we also discuss a report on electric vehicles and how they fared in the extreme weather. In the featured segment, SP tells you how he didn't crack that app. Plus, I have a special treat for the video viewer, and it might lead to you watching my demise. This and more in this week's show. I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. This is the official gunageek.com show. Here we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gunna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and with me, of course, we have none other than Chris Farrell. Hey, that's me. I'm also pleased to say that he is big, he is bad, and he is mm, small. So we'll just do a little contradiction there. Stargate Pioneer. No, we've never met in person, Stephen, but I've met your brother, and I think I'm the smallest one out of the four of us, if we would include your brother, by a lot. I mean, <laughs> I think I came up to Chris's belly button when we met in person. What SP's saying is I need to lose some more weight. Oh, wow. Did you really just go there, SP? Oh, my no, God, no, SP. You can't lose height when you lose weight. You stay the same height. You chop my legs off at the knees and I'll lose some height. I can't believe you just did that, SP. Just like Cotton Hill. That's the king of the hill pool I, right I there, I was kids. trying to compliment your heights collectively, and you're now taking it the wrong mm. way. You know, I even dressed in my Spider-Man geeky jersey so I would seem more appealing to Chris tonight. Oh, that's not a problem, SP. It's not a problem. Oh, so if you are not checking out the video side of things, I just want to go ahead and say we have a special video exclusive here tonight for those of you who are, are checking that out. Well, guess what? I've said it before. I'll say it again. Here at the Guinea Geek Studios in wonderful Canada, we, uh, we have based ourselves in the area that basically rarely, rarely ever gets winter. Because let's be honest, I'm delicate. I'm a very delicate individual. I'm sensitive. And so that's why the studios are based here. Not only that, but also because we don't want things to freeze up and everything. So we are in the middle of allegedly getting about uh, 25 centimeters of snow. And uh, that's in addition to the stuff that's fallen over the last 48 hours. So I've set up a special snow camera for the video viewers over my shoulder. And we can go ahead and maybe we can see if a plow comes along or if somebody crashes into my house. And it is basically can the camera is located right by the window where I record. So uh, if someone does crash into my my house, we'll at least get to see them come in before they run me over, which will be pretty awesome. It's always awesome when something runs you over, Stephen. I was going to say, you've been waiting for a space debris to do that for a very, very long time. Yeah, I, you know, it's the clock's still ticking on the Chinese, the next Chinese space station. So there's still hope. 
So anyways, if you're not checking out the video side of things, these are the things that you're missing out on. I'm looking at the camera like it's going to make a difference, but if I'm talking to you and you're not checking out the video side of things, you can't see that. So that was a moot point. But let's go ahead and move on to the news. All right. So here at the official GuinnaGeek.com show, we like to follow all sorts of secret space stuff that's happening. Sometimes we're not really privy to it, but Stargate Pioneer lets us know about it anyways. Well, guess what? This time he's going to go ahead and let us in on the secret about how the privates have been pushed back. Private spaceships, Stephen. Private spaceships. Oh, I, I am not prepared for this. I'm sorry. You never are. <laughs> no. In a February wow. 6th article, February 6th, 2019 article on space.com, Mike Wall wrote that SpaceX and Boeing and NASA pushed back the first test launches of private space ships. So SpaceX and Boeing are, of course, developing the commercial space capsules. We spoke about them many times before on the show. They are called Crew Dragon and CST-100 Starliner, respectively, to carry NASA astronauts to and from the orbiting space station. Now, SpaceX has been targeting February 23rd for Crew Dragon's shakeout cruise to the ISS, an on-crewed flight called Demo-1. Starliner was scheduled to perform a similar mission sometime in March, but the launch dates for both flights have just been pushed back to the right, in other words, delayed, that NASA announced in a statement on February 6, 2019. Quote, the agency now is targeting March 2nd for launch of SpaceX's Crew Dragon on its uncrewed Demo-1 test flight. Boeing's on-crewed orbital flight test is targeted for launch no earlier than April, unquote. Now, Crew Dragon's crew chairing demonstration is scheduled currently for July and Starliners for no earlier than August. According to the new NASA update, operational flights will begin sometime thereafter, assuming everything goes well. Quote, there are still many critical steps to complete before launch and while we eagerly are anticipating these launches, we will step through our test flight preparations and readiness reviews, unquote. That is from Kathy Luters, who's the national, who is the NASA's commercial crew program manager. Quote, we are excited about seeing the hardware we have followed through development, integration, and ground testing move into flight, unquote. Now, when NASA agreed to these deals with SpaceX and Boeing in 2014, agency officials said they expected Crew Dragon and Starliner to be operational by 2017. It is now 2019, and they have not had their first flight yet. So a little concern, a little delay, but that is all normal in technical development these days. Oh, well, this is seeming like somebody got paid a lot of money to do nothing. I think this is going to fall apart. This is going to be like every other Kickstarter that exists. We know how much Steven loves Kickstarter and Indiegogo. <laughs> it's his favorite thing ever. This is a callback all the way back to the fanboy buzz, even. Uh, so, Star Stargate Pioneer, what did you do with all that money that you were paid? Oh, no. SNASA does not get money for this. SNASA pays money for this, unfortunately. And I'm thinking that both Boeing and SpaceX need to 
create their own Patreon now to start <laughs> funding these flights. <laughs> oh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash fly to space. That's right. Patreon.com slash fly to space. Well, Stargate Pioneer, we usually like the uplifting space news, but I'll admit this has let me down a little bit that they're pushing it back because I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand other times. I think that the private sector being so active in space is actually a really good thing. I, I really do think that that's a really, really good thing. And to see things pushed off again, it's a bad thing. I don't know. There's there's something to be said for delaying for research and for safety reasons and things like that. The last thing you want to do is kind of rush one of these things, then have one of your rockets blow up. Then you're out millions, billions potentially, and a bad PR strike also because everyone's like, I don't know if I can trust these flights from SpaceX and Boeing because they blew up. I mean, look what happened. This is a bit terrible thing to say, but what is it people think of when they think of Virgin Galactic right now? That's true. Crash. That is fair. Well, in all fairness, they're not testing the rockets. They're testing the capsules themselves to be human rated. That's mm -hmm. what they're testing because it'll be the same rockets that they're already fair. using. And it's just the human spaceflight qualification that's in question here. And Stephen... I'm just wondering, have you looked at a calendar lately? Uh, it is December 11th is what my calendar says. Right, December right. 11th. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what year you're in, but it's February 11th right now. The first launch of SpaceX's crewed Dragon was scheduled for the 23rd of February. It is now happening on March 2nd. That's a seven day delay. It's one week. You know That's what? That's it. A vehicle could crash through my den in that time and kill me. And it could be the difference between me seeing it and not seeing it. Well, Stephen, we'll all see it because that camera's on over your shoulder right now. So God willing, we'll get the ratings hit for that. <laughs> you know what? I will go ahead and say it right now that if uh, if I die during this broadcast, I, I really think that you need to put that in the intro from this point forward. I'll say it. I'll just say it right now. I might hire an editor to do just that. <laughs> All right, well, moving on to Apple news. This here comes out of the world of the Apple store. And you're going to hear something rare here. I'm going to talk about something with Apple. Sorry. I almost threw up. Uh, I'm going to talk about something positive to do with Apple and uh, how, how well wait, they wait. have reacted. What? Did I know it's cold up there, but did hell freeze over? Yeah, I know. That's why I almost threw up. Uh, Steven, you, you hate Apple. It's, it's okay. We know it. Yes. Okay, kidding aside, I want to go ahead and highlight something that I think is smart that Apple has done, and it's that Apple has told various companies that have essentially been, quote, secretly, end quote, recording activities on apps that they need to stop doing this. This is because recently Apple did find out that there were several developers that were apparently using technology that would watch people as they used the app so that they could study that, get metrics and things like that off of that. And it recorded everything that was happening on that app, including if you were entering in credit card numbers and stuff, they would end up getting that. There is actually some information that came out, I believe, in... It was Air Canada that was using this technology and Air Canada admitted they did it, but all the private stuff was supposedly blocked. But this is something that Apple is now coming out and saying that they must stop the recording and alert users or else they will face, quote, immediate action, 
end quote. I know very powerful words for Apple, right? This statement has come after a TechCrunch investigation that sh showed many of the biggest apps within the App Store were using this capture analytical tool to watch people as the apps were used. So Apple is putting their foot down and they're saying, no, you must stop or else you will, quote, face action or immediate action, whatever the quote was. So I, I will say I'm happy this happened. Do I think that they probably knew about it somewhere along the way? To be honest, uh, I, I always give Apple credit that they have a pretty intense process. And yes, things slip through, but to have many slip through, I, I can only assume that they did know about it, but obviously they're kind of seeing what's happening with this and they are saying stop. So I, I do give them credit for that. So there you go. That's positive. That's for you, Josh Liston. Right for you. That's for you, buddy. Well, I think Apple's response to this is going to be pretty obvious, Stephen. And it's that, well, be to allow for these apps to allow the phones to actually, you know, watch you while you're using the app, you're just holding it wrong. <laughs> You've got to put your thumb over the camera hole. That's yeah, right, is. right, right. Every time, just do, uh, right, right over the front and the back. And the, see, it, it works just fine that way. Let me go ahead and point out that Stargate Pioneer is the one who is the Apple user here. So uh, that was Stargate Pioneer that just said that. His name again was Stargate Pioneer. And you can find him at twitter.com slash Stargate Pioneer. You can send your hate mail to js at gunnageek.com. I mean, but in all seriousness, so having an app that behaves like that, that is uh, stealthily capturing your reactions and things like that, that's uh, shady at best. And it's not Apple's fault that these folks snuck things in, but... I would love to see Apple adopt something similar to what Android has done. And Android has their own problems. I know that already. They just talked about shutting down apps today that were stealing cryptocurrency from folks on phones. But one of the things that's interesting about how Android has done things with app installations is whenever you first start up an app you've installed, it gives you a list of all the permissions it's requesting and you have to approve or deny them. So you have to approve camera access. You have to approve phone access. You have to approve contacts access, things like that. I would love to see things get that granular with iOS as well, where this would come up and you'd be like, why does this app need camera access? I have no intention of ever taking a photo and it should never be done. So you could say, no, don't allow this. Yeah. Uh, you know, a long time ago when Facebook Messenger was under heat for all of these permissions it was requesting, I went and I wrote an article on Gunna Geek and highlighted all these different apps that use the same permissions. And the thing was at the time that sort of, transparent notification was really just getting big on Android. So Facebook Messenger is one of the big ones that came out first. And so that was really what drew attention to it. But since then, it has been amazing just to see how many people have noticed that on Android. And I, I will say that I agree, Chris, I really, really like how very, very clear it is in a list. Like, I, I think Apple's really neat in the fact that it says, you know, it asks you step by step when it needs certain permission. But I like with Android how it's just like, boom, right there, front and center. I like that it gives you it, it all up front. So, uh, and it, and I think it's a little more detailed, but again, uh, I do want to say that I, I give Apple credit for putting a kibosh on this right away. Oh, exactly. It's great that they shut it down just like they should have. Please, please don't take my Android comparison here as being like, Android's better and here's why. It was, no, no, we can take a lesson from Android and I think this is one of those 
points where imitation is not necessarily a bad thing if they went and followed some of the uh, granular descriptions like Android gives. Target Pioneer, as the resident Apple user here, are you very, very disappointed to hear that people will no longer be looking at your exact screen capture? I know that you were drawing little things on there, obscene things, knowing somebody was capturing it. I know you. I know you. Well, you know, I, I set the phone up outside my shower, you know, because it's got the <laughs> smartphone, the smart things app on it. So I've got this holder on the outside of the shower door that I, I had been putting it in. And, you know, it was just, you know, there while I was showering. So and I did not cover up the camera. So I'm I'm curious as to how much money I'm making online. Okay, so I'm pretty sure he still listens to the show, and if not, well, he doesn't know I'm giving him this call out, but Bandrew from the Bandrew Says Podcast, he talks all the time about how smartphones putting camera covers and things like that on that, and I think that this is a really good example on why that's not a bad idea if you are worried about privacy, because these people were obviously screen capturing when you're using an app, but let's let's be real, I'm sure the coding difference isn't that much of a bit uh, of a step to activating the camera and there's no light on your phone there's no light on your phone that says hey look the camera's active like you have on a webcam and whatnot so i i think that it's it's not a bad idea if you are worried about privacy or you do the stargate pioneer approach and you just put it everywhere and you go enjoy the show one of the two just if it's gonna happen might as well just let it happen and (laughs) Just see what kind of, you know, sometimes you got to go fishing and, you know, you throw some bait out there and see what you catch. (laughs) Uh, Always watch where you dangle your bait. Moving on to the next news point here. Chris Farrell, what exactly is going on with electric cars and extreme weather? Uh, This is this is close to me today because it's extreme for us. We're delicate flowers here on the West Coast. There's been some extreme weather all over on the East Coast, and this is something I've been reading up on because, hey, I'm, I'm intrigued by Teslas. I don't think it's quite practical to buy one or an electric vehicle where I live right now, but I like to research and see what's going on in the news. And The Verge had an interesting story picking up on a lot of things I'd seen on Reddit and things like that. But, hey, we all know EVs are becoming a bit more affordable and longer range ones are coming out. So it seems like the shift towards electrical ve- electric vehicles becoming more prevalent could be coming soon but for those folks in the northeastern part of the united states that have evs they've probably learned during the polar vortex there's some drawbacks that happen and what do i mean by that uh cold weather is terrible absolutely terrible on your battery and electric vehicle be it a tesla nissan leaf but that's okay chris because when you start your engine you know the alternator on your gas engine (laughs) goes ahead and it recharges the battery up so you're fine Well, it does on your traditional, on your internal combustion engine vehicles, it will, yes. But if you're driving just an electric motor vehicle, it's a bit tougher. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that Teslas do not have a gas engine in there? No, not at all. Is that not shocking? Mm, I I think that this is a lie. This is like how they lied and said they were going to have something done by a certain time. And then they pushed it off a week. Yeah, it's called the Model 3 being late and the Model Y. (laughs) I'm disappointed. You know, I was thinking all this time that the Tesla Roadster was up there with a big old V8. And now you're telling me that that's not true? Well, I mean, I think it's going to go faster without that V8 in all honesty. (sighs) 
I don't know how it can speed up or slow down in orbit around the sun right now, but okay. <laughs> okay fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Tesla Roadsters in general. Let me rephrase. <laughs> Going back All to right. the story, though, new research from AAA has revealed that when the temperature drops below 20 degrees Fahrenheit, the average driving range of an electric car decreases by about 41% on average. Why does that happen? Well, when it gets colder, electric vehicle owners have the same instinct as the rest of us do in our internal combustion engine vehicles to crank that heat up as high as it'll go. And what does that do? It puts a serious strain on the battery in the EV, which then reduces the overall range and increases the need to charge more often to minimize the chance of being stranded, you know, with a dead battery. So EV owners discovered this during the cold snap during the polar vortex that struck the United States and Canada earlier this month or late last month, rather. As temperatures plunged, owners of Chevy Bolts, Tesla Model 3s, and a variety of other electric vehicles reported they saw up at most 50% range loss in their vehicles. So we hinted at it before. Why is that? It's because people are cranking the heat. Well, in an internal combustion engine vehicle, if you crank the heat, that's okay. The cabin is warmed with what they call waste heat. From as the engine gets spun up and warmed up, you get some of that extra heat that's used to heat the cabin. Yeah, electric vehicles without an, without an internal combustion engine, it's using its battery to heat up an electric coil and then using a blower to blow that heat into your cabin. So, yes, it's sort of efficient, but it's completely coming from the battery, which impacts your range. Wait, wait a minute. I, you know, I've, I've seen uh, a solution to this, and it's when Mark Watney dug up the radioactive <laughs> thermal generator. That's the solution. And- yeah, it, it warmed everything up in the car. Yeah, I think that's what every, everybody needs to walk, uh, drive around with an RTG in the back. Well, Elon, if you're listening, that's the solution. We know you like to listen to the GunnaGeek.com show. At least we're pretty sure of it. So you should, you should keep that in mind. Radioactive isotopes, that'll keep things warm in the winter. Mm-hmm. So AAA did perform tests on five electric vehicles, the BMW i3, the Chevy Bolt, the Nissan Leaf, the Tesla Model S, in the Volkswagen e-Golf that all had a minimum EPA driving range of 100 miles. They tested real-world driving conditions using a dynamometer, which basically, if you don't know, is a treadmill for cars. It was in a closed testing cell where the ambient temperature could be controlled. And in there, they witnessed that in colder temperatures, shock and surprise, we've all known this, lithium-ion batteries don't perform quite as well. And when it's super hot out, lithium-ion batteries don't perform quite as well. So why am I bringing this up? Suncast asked in the chat room, how is this new? Batteries never do well in cold weather. Well, it's new because as the Model 3 has come out for Tesla, that's the the entry-level Tesla, for lack of a better term, the one that's supposed to be the most affordable, you've had more and more people buying electric vehicles. And more and more people on the northeastern coast of the United States have bought electric vehicles in the last year. And this is really the first winter they've been driving them. And they're not expecting what they see when they wake up, which is, If they haven't had their vehicle plugged into charge overnight, the battery is stone cold, for lack of a better term. When you pull it up on the Tesla display, your battery shows a little snowflake next to it, and a blue portion of the battery is blocked out, which is the charge you don't have access to because your battery is so cold. People aren't expecting that because they're so used to going out and starting up their Subaru or their Ford or their GMC Sierra, anything like that. 4x4 crew cab. Yeah, 4x4 crew cab. And the car starts up, warms up as it's supposed to, and what's on the on the gas gauge is generally pretty accurate. Yes, you get a little bit of range loss with a gas engine, but not nearly as much as you get with a battery. So it's a shift in thinking for a lot of folks. They're used to thinking, hey, I've got this Tesla. It's got 307 miles of range. 
Well, that's in ideal weather conditions. In, in the winter, you could lose 40% of your battery. And if you don't plan accordingly, it becomes a problem for folks. And so how do you plan accordingly? A lot of people have started doing some research and saying, hey, if I plug my car in overnight and keep it plugged in, just trickle charging, I can set it up just to blast the heat about a half hour before I leave, heat things up a little bit. And when I'm heating the car, that power is coming from the connection to my house or to my charger, not from the batteries in the car. It's kind of having to change a little bit of how people think ahead and say, hey, I need to heat up my electric vehicle before I leave while I'm still plugged in versus some of us with our gas engines just hit the remote starter and come out and check on it five, 10 minutes later when they're about to leave. I just think it's fascinating how electric vehicles are deemed to be the future in a lot of cases. And I admittedly am one of those people that's interested in it, but you don't really consider the fact that batteries they are not great in cold weather. And if you don't live in California, you've got a very different situation where you have to deal with cold weather, where last week we had days that were negative degrees out. And if you're driving an EV around, it's not going to work as well as it should. And if you don't plan accordingly, you find yourself stuck in the middle of a blizzard or in the middle of the cold going, huh? So what do I do now? Now, some of these car vendors, they're going to come out there and say, oh, it's not that big a problem. Tesla's had a spokesperson actually disputing the AAA findings, saying based on real world data from our fleet, which includes millions of long trips taken by real Model S customers, we know with certainty that even when using heating and air conditioning, the average Model S customer doesn't experience anywhere near the decrease in range at 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And the decrease in range at 95 degrees is roughly 1%. So they can dispute that to some extent, but here's the thing. If you go on the Tesla Reddit and you look on Twitter, people are posting photos and sharing the problems they're having, which is when my battery's stone cold, I don't get regenerative braking. The battery's not lasting as long. It's taking a lot more power to heat ups. It's part of the nature of the chemistry of how these things work. Now, some of that can be mitigated, I'm sure. And one could argue maybe some of these test results might be slightly overblown. Who knows? But why I bring this up, like I said, is it's interesting to me. And if you are one of the people out there that is on the cutting edge and has an EV and you're in the cold weather, make sure you plan accordingly so that you don't die in the middle of a cold wasteland. We've never experienced a major automotive manufacturer lying about the efficiency of their engines. That's never, never. happened. No. Never. Oh, Volkswagen. Oh, Toyota, right. Honda. Yeah. 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 I am sorry, Tesla. Yes, I understand that you have mega amounts of data, but I don't think you've churned the data from the latest polar vortex. If so, you got to prove it. And the other thing I think is important here to remember is that um, this serves as a reminder or education for people who have this of what you can possibly expect. You're not always going to have this with every snowstorm or every whatever, right? We have a very extreme very, very extreme uh, weather over the last little bit. And I think that it's really important to remember that this can happen. So you should be prepared for it if it does happen. I think that's the important takeaway. I didn't bring it up. like Electric vehicles, they're terrible, blah, blah, blah. They're lying to you. It's no, there's still trade-offs. It's not the 100% complete replacement to the car you have now. If you want to go get an electric vehicle, there's certain things you've got to plan on that's slightly different than what you're used to now. You can't pull into a gas station and fill up in five minutes, for instance. Right. And I heard recently from Elon that the cost of the Model 3 is now down to $35,000. That's actually so, getting into the affordable range for middle America. 
Yes and no. Here, here's where Tesla kind of tricks you a little bit is that's the price with a year of gas savings included in it as well. So it's not what you're paying. So that's the tax credit taken off, your year in gas savings taken off. So when you sign the paperwork, you're not signing a lease or a loan for $35,000. You're signing a loan for forty dollars to $50,000 in a lot uh, of cases. Okay. There's okay. also factored in the money that you make by the crotch cam that they've installed in them as well, because I heard that that's their business now. Is, isn't that the case? No? No. 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 Oh, sorry. Mix that up. My, my bad. Move, moving on to our extra extra here. We just got one quick news story here, and this comes out of the world of Microsoft. That's right. What's going on with me today? I liked Apple. I'm about to hate on Microsoft. Josh, this really is for you. So Microsoft has come out and a cybersecurity expert is saying, stop using Internet Explorer as your default browser. Uh, apparently there was a cybersecurity expert that has pointed out that once Windows 10 came out, basically four years ago, Internet Explorer became dead. Microsoft Edge was the new thing. And Chris Jackson has highlighted this in a blog post that's titled, quote, the perils of using Internet Explorer as your default browser, end quote. The idea behind this piece was to educate people especially corporations which are very lazy and trying to avoid having to change their infrastructure to actually work on a proper web standard. It's trying to educate them on why you really shouldn't be using IE anymore. For anybody that's actually tech savvy at all, we all know this. We absolutely all know this. And so we're, this isn't news to us, but this is important that Microsoft is highlighting this from the perspective of there are a lot of corporations across the world that are being lazy and they are continuing to use Internet Explorer. And this is really just highlighting you need to be prepared to make the change because it's a dead browser. And we are saying now, stop using it as your default browser. So I, I, I like seeing this. And if you are using Internet Explorer as your browser, give your head a shake. Uh, it's quite out of date. Four years. Guys, I'm safe. I never used Internet Explorer. I've been on Netscape since 1995. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. That's uh, one way to do it. Chris Farrell, are you so happy to see this? It should have been common sense. Part, part of the problem here is that Microsoft left Internet Explorer in there for compatibility issues because when Windows 10 launched and Edge was put on everything, there were some sites that still didn't work properly with a modern browser. So they left Internet Explorer in there so that people could use that to go and access these things. Here's the thing. The web has advanced a lot since then. A lot of the tools that are used don't work properly with Internet Explorer. A lot of developers who are building websites and maintaining front ends, whenever they see a lot of hits for Internet Explorer, they go, oh, God, because there's no great workarounds to make it work with modern stuff. What Microsoft should do if they're smart is literally in the next patch update, they're great about screwing things up or breaking things, yank Internet Explorer out instead because all it's doing is asking for trouble. Where I work, we have Internet Explorer on the computers because it's part of that leftover from before. And you know, 99% of the time, it's never getting used, but we have Skype in our office Skype. And if someone sends you a link, it doesn't open an Edge, it doesn't open in Firefox, it opens an Internet Explorer. And it drives me crazy because I'm not an admin on any of the office machines. So I can't change my default app to not be Internet Explorer when opening links out of Skype. 
it doesn't make sense. It's a vulnerability. It's a backdoor and a weakness into the system. It shouldn't be there at this point in time. There's no reason you should be using Internet Explorer in 2019. And I'll say that the people who are still using Internet Explorer is probably the same companies that are still on Windows 7. And, uh, you know, like from Windows like, 7, probably when, the ones that are still on Windows XP. <laughs> you know, I, I will say most of them, I think, are off XP. But 7, I think it's people don't realize that long term support is is over this year or next year. Like it, it's really They're doubling the price after this year. Yeah. Is that when it yeah. is? So exactly. Like it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So to move on, let's get modern and move past Internet Explorer onto Netscape, like SP said. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go on to a special segment that SP is prepared today, I just want to remind everybody we're part of the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has a bunch of amazing, incredible geeky content. That's GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And there are a bunch of really, really fun shows, including one called the dad IO podcast. And I'm going to give dad IO podcast a special shout out here because in their most recent episode, I had to write them. Uh, I was partway through the episode and I had to write them. They did a great job of showing what cybersecurity really is and, and how it doesn't exist basically. And what they were able to do. And I will, I won't reveal all the details. I'll just say this. I won't even, I won't even say who did what one host developed the other host, portfolio of information based solely off of their one piece of details, their address. It started with the address and expanded from there and got a plethora of information. And you should definitely hear how this was all done, how easy it was done. And if you are interested to see what sort of information is readily available and what you can find and how you can build a profile, definitely check out the Dad.io podcast on the Gunna Geek Network. I really, really enjoyed that episode. And uh, SP, you were nodding. You you heard that one too? Oh, yeah. It scared the pants off of me. And then I realized that this is just going to keep happening. So there was no reason to get the pants back on. So <laughs> that is when I took the phone and put it right next to the shower. <laughs> said here we go <laughs> uh, well on that note let's go ahead and move on to our special segment as you may recall a couple of weeks ago it was just chris farrell and i here on the guineageek.com show and while i was recording that episode i had a story coming to me from Stargate Pioneer about how his evening was going. And when I heard the story, I said to him, you've got to talk about this on the GunnaGeek.com show. Such a good story. And so that's why this segment today is called SP Doesn't Crack That App. So two weeks ago, I was not on the show. I had some family stuff going on, but I tried to do the rest of the day as I normally do. I went to work and I was planning on going to the gym and then I was going to go off and do the family stuff. Unfortunately, work ran late, like a lot late, like the latest I've been at work in a long time. So after that, I'm like, ah, gosh, I've got weather coming in. I, I don't know if the gym's going to be closed later on this week. I really want to get at least one, if not two workouts in. I'm going to go to the gym anyway. So I rushed out of work. I went to the gym and I got my workout in, which normally takes me two and a half hours, guys. I got it done in under an hour, like 50, 50 minutes, really, if 
five minutes for changing and running in and out, which is really, really, really fast. I know some people can do it. I'm a little slower with the changing, but because uh, I'm old and I don't move all that fast. But this, I w- he is old. I, I will vouch for that. Yeah, I got a lot of a, a lot of uh, what is called platinum in my beard here. Yeah, so I was really huffing it and got done. And I really, I was running late for the family thing, but I'm like, I really need to get this workout in. So after my workout, I, uh, I, I basically ran down to my locker. I threw on my sweats over my, my workout clothes. I was going to go home and shower at home because, you know, when you sweat at the gym, it takes about 15, 20 minutes for that sweat to stop. I mean, it's like science, right guys? I mean, your, your body takes a while to cool down. I'm not doing an ice bath. So I was going to shower at home. I just threw on the sweats. I ran out to the car and thus starts the story, which begins with me at home going to Steven while I guess he was recording going to geek a couple of weeks ago, telling him I lost my phone today. He did. Oh no. He, I did. That's the message I got from him. And I'm oh, like, Oh, the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll actually admit something here. I thought that he meant that he lost it. Like, like it stopped working at first. I was like, Oh yeah, I guess something happened. He just decided that he was, he was going to pack it in. That's what Apple phones do. <laughs> I had to get that in. I had to get that oh, in. Shot fired. No, but but I thought I had I had lost it. I couldn't find it. So this is what happened. So I ran out to my car. I threw my gym bag in the car, and I jumped in the car. And I was running late, and I wasn't gonna speed, but I knew I was like I had minutes to deal with everything. So turned the car on, and I started driving home. And I got about five minutes away from the gym. And I'm like, wait, what? My phone is usually up on my dashboard charging right now because wireless charger. What? Where's the phone? What? So, you know, you do that thing while you're driving, you quick throw on the light, you look around. I just can't find my phone. I look through all my pockets and it was cold out. You know, we had the polar vortex incoming and everything. So I got the, the jacket on with it has about 15 pockets in. I go through all 15 pockets, nothing. Now, sometimes that happens and it just the phone gets in a little crevice or whatever. But I was patting myself. I didn't feel anything rigid of a phone shape in my jacket. So I'm like, crap. So I pulled off into a, uh, a parking lot of, a, believe it or not, an ice cream shop that was not open. <laughs> but I pulled into the ice cream shop uh, parking lot and I opened up the entire car and I used a emergency flashlight and I was looking around, didn't find it, tore apart my workout bag thinking I might've thrown the phone in my workout bag. Wasn't there. Crap. It's got to be back at the gym. And I know that the gym was just minutes from closing. Like the guy was actually locking the door. I had to do, you know, the thing where you have to actually unlock the door to get out a little lever thing. Yeah. yeah. I had to do that to get out. So the guy was locking the door. I'm thinking, Oh, I'm just hoping the gym is still open I get back and I I drive back and I've got my brights on in my car and I'm thinking well if it is in the sidewalk because the parking lot it's actually across the street from the gym I'm thinking if it is in the street if it's on the sidewalk if it's in the parking lot I'll be able to find a glint off of it with the brights unfortunately there was two cars in the parking lot there was a truck and then there was a, a Cadillac 
and the Cadillac was just sitting there with his lights on the whole time. I'd parked close to the front of the parking lot, so the Cadillac was off to the back, but I'm trying to enter into the parking lot with my brights on. There's a truck trying to come out, noticing I have my brights on, and trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. So I turn the brights off and just stop there on the road, and finally this truck pulls out, and it goes through a puddle, and it splashes the puddle, and I, the guy was gunning it. I'm thinking, oh, he's just pissed that I don't know what I'm doing, but I just want him to leave. And so I'm like, okay, I, I turn on the brights back on. I go into the parking lot. I do a couple of circles around where I was parking, along where I was walking, didn't see anything at all. I ended up going through that damn stupid puddle again, which yeah, I had the window open, so water came up. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't see it. So maybe it's up by the gym. So I don't have any other iOS device on me, so I can't do a find my iPhone. So I don't know where it is. I have no, I don't know if it's stolen. I don't know if it fell out. I don't know if I left it in the locker. No idea. Pretty sure I put it in my exterior pocket of my coat at this point. I have no idea. So I park in a handicapped spot. So yes, I know you're not supposed to do it, but I was just really wanting to find my phone. I get out and I run up to the gym and the lights are off. Oh no. So I start pounding on the door and I pound on the door for like a minute, minute and a half, something like that. And thinking that. So a usual night for you then. Yeah, right. I'm thinking that if the guy was actually there and he might be in one of the locker rooms, he'd be hearing me pound on the door and the window and no, no, nothing. So it's like, ah. so I went over towards one of the windows that was by the locker room. I pounded on that for a little bit, nothing. So I'm like, oh, great. Did I mention, guys, that I needed this phone to video this family event using my DJI Osmo Mobile 2? Did I, did I mention that? You hadn't mentioned that yet, but I can see where this gets more and more complicated as you're searching for it. Right. So I can't search for it. I can't call any of my family members that have access to my find my iPhone and I can't get into this place where it might or might not be. I'm like, oh, crap, I need this phone and I need to get out of here. I need to take a shower and I need to get to this fan. <sighs> Nothing. So I'm like, OK, great. I will get my old iPhone 5S out and I will do the video with that. It won't be good 4K video, but, you know, I can go home. I can grab this and I can download the DJI mobile app to it and I can go ahead and, and just do that. I'm thinking maybe I'll have time for it. Maybe not, but I'm on a time clock. So this is what I got to do. So I'm like, Ugh. I walk back to my car and I'm just mad. I'm mad. And you know, you get guys ever get so mad that you just want to punch your own car window in. Wait, we don't act on that. You said want to, I do. I just punched Steven's car window in. <laughs> yeah, I would if I could. But no, I, I just, uh, you know, one thing that I've learned is just not to drive angry. So I'm like, okay, I am going to just walk this off for a couple of minutes. So I start just walking around the parking lot. That Cadillac is still there, by the way. So I'm just, I'm walking around the parking lot. And I know this Cadillac, this guy in the Cadillac's probably, it's probably the guy that just locked up the place, by the way. And if I would have gone up to him, I could have gotten him to open it up. But I... It was like, uh, didn't know. And you know how people are about approaching your car, or whatever. 
in the middle of the night, you know, when it's really cold out. I mean, it was raining, it was going to turn to snow. So I'm like, Ugh. so I'm walking around and finally I just take a breath and I look at my car and I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to go to the car. So I start walking to the car and then, you know, that damn puddle that I drove through, got wet and the truck drove through and everything. So I get to yes. that and I look down. It's my phone. <gasps> my phone is there. My phone is there in the puddle. Yes! It is submerged in the puddle. And it's got tire marks on it. Oh, no. It's got tire marks on the freaking uh, the, the phone case that's on. It's face down. Face up is the phone case. Now, it's not this phone case, though, because this phone case... I, because I was been taking my phone in and out, it's a OtterBox commuter case for the iPhone 8 Plus. And just because I was taking the phone in and out, it managed over the past year to get really beat up. And if you're looking at the video side of things, you'll see that this phone case is not even complete. There's a whole part of the top that's gone. The gel seems to be okay, but the hard case. So just the prior week, I had gotten rid of this and I'd gotten a new phone case same one otterbox commuter so i'm looking down at this with tire tracks on it's in the puddle. you know how things get dirt in the puddle and it just stays there mm -hmm. well i'm i'm i don't know if i drove over it or if the truck drove over it or if we both drove over it but it was driven over so i'm like great so i reach down i pick up the phone and it's face down so i know if it's on that when I turn it over, it will automatically come up. And I'm thinking I'm going to see one hell of a cracked uh, screen that, on it. So That's what I would think, yeah, too. Yeah, me too. So I, I turn it over, and then I was thinking water damage, too. So I turn it over. Screen's fine. What? Screen's fi it's working. The screen is fine. It is working. And I'm thinking, nice. oh, my gosh. So I, I kind of wipe it off a little bit. And look, the case is not broken at all. And... It's working, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's got water damage. You know, the truck driving over it had to have uh, gotten into the waterproof. It's IP67 waterproof. So, it, you know, I had to have cracked the case, and it's fine. So I took it out of the case, wiped all the water off of it, and it was working fine. And guys, the phone was saved by a brand new OtterBox commuter case. Phone works nice. just fine. I actually did the video. I sent the video to Steven. I don't know if he ever actually watched it or not, but the point was it worked fine. It took 4K video. It transferred that video. And yeah, in a case, JS, if you're watching, <laughs> in a case, <laughs> face down in a puddle for at least 15 minutes, the phone survived. That's awesome. So you were kidding uh, a lot about the Apple. Now, I can't speak to Apple's build quality versus your Pixel build quality versus anything else out there build quality. But this Apple phone survived either a heavy minivan or a heavy truck driving over it and in a puddle for 15 minutes. Uh, I, I can do this. I, I, I can admit when I need to do this. I'll give it a bell. Yeah, there you go. So it was... Ultimately important that I find the phone that night because it did snow that night and the parking lot was plowed and I can't speak to whether this phone would have survived getting Ooh. plowed or if I would have been able to find it or if it would have frozen because it was going to freeze over that night or whatever. But guys, 
man, these cases these days, these phones these days, I'm absolutely astounded. I got lucky. I got very lucky. And uh, thank you, Apple, for enabling me to find the phone, have it working, and then use it later that night. So, yeah, that's my story of how I lost the phone and how Stephen put it earlier on, how I did not crack that app. Well, it sounds like OtterBox also has some part to play in that, too. Yep, I'll, I'll admit it. Now, the those, OtterBox... Those cases are beefy. Right. So I'll hold both the old case and the new case, the hard shell, up to the camera, and you can see clearly that the old case is damaged. And this was not driven over by anything. But this one, uh, after taking it in and out a while, it's not meant for that, but it did help save the phone. Now, if the phone was on its side, I don't know if it would have survived, but it was face down. So, and I don't know if it would have survived. It was face up, but it was face down. So the edges of the case protected that screen from being squished into the uh, pavement. So, and how, how deep was the puddle? Was it deep enough that maybe the water helped in some way, shape or form? I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it was deep enough to cause a big splash, but you know, maybe an inch, maybe an inch, probably. Yeah, it's not enough to help. I don't think. Yeah. Well, that's one heck of a success story, SP. And I do want to go ahead and say that I was very, very, very disappointed in you because when you told that story to me, every single time you were giving me a little bit more information and I, I was feeling bad. And every time I would respond, I'd be like, oh man, I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry to hear, bud. I'm sorry to hear. And you just strung me along. And here I was being nice, asking you, looking for a solution, asking you if you had the protection on it. All trying to give all these solutions. And you're just like, oh, yo, Steven, I'll just go ahead and make you feel bad. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah, Steve, Steven, you were trying to help me through it, and so I really appreciate that. But I was stringing you along to the point where I was telling you the phone actually did survive, and you just didn't know that at the time. So while Steven was recording two weeks ago, and I was rushing around to try to get to this family event, in that I was actually telling this story to Steven, and I was doing it one line at a time, one part of the story at a time and he kept on saying oh man can you use find my iphone or do you have insurance on it and i said well yeah i do but not if you don't have the physical phone so well maybe it'll be in the gym tomorrow i said well maybe you know can you call it and then well the gym's a faraday cage which it really is by the way the gym's a faraday cage and yeah i don't think there's signal in there I might have stretched the truth on that one, but <laughs> the rest of it was fine. The rest of it was uh, was good. And yes, it did actually fall out of my pocket as I was running from the gym to my car where it was originally parked. And I think I jumped over that puddle, which is why the phone fell out at that point in time. So anyway, make sure you have your phone in your charger when you drive away in the winter months when you think it's in your pocket. That's a good story, and I'm so glad you shared that on here. Thanks so much for doing that, SP. It's It really is a good story, and I'm happy we could talk about it. And no, this episode is not sponsored by OtterBox or anything like that. But uh, Yet. <laughs> yet. yet. <laughs> but seriously, a uh, good story, and uh, I guess we don't have Gunna Geek lawyers, but maybe we should pretend we do, and our lawyers say that mileage might vary. There you go. I feel like that's something we have to say after a story like that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't expect that in a commuter OtterBox to be um, that rugged. I think I just got lucky. Like it might have been sitting on the pavement just right 
or something. I don't know. But yeah, I, I was surprised that I was able to get I, I'm just glad that I was able to do it. And it's the same phone that I've had since the beginning. And I, I'm hoping to get about a year, another year and a half out of it. I, I'm hoping to go through the next development cycle, but I, I might, I don't know. I might have to, in October, November, I might have to switch. We'll see. Well, thank you again for sharing that. And if you've got a story about how your phone was saved by a case, make sure to email that to js at gunnageek.com. He'll like those too. I uh, love it. So that's going to take us towards the end of the show. Before we wrap up, we'll just take a moment to go around the table and plug and promote and do whatever we'd like to do. Let's start off with Chris Farrell. So I will take a moment to shamelessly self-promote a little bit this week, but guys, does the thought of Calvin and Hobbes meets uh, Sin City sound appealing to you? Well, if it does, this last week on All Things Good and Nerdy, we had writer David Peepos come and join us to talk about volume two of Spencer and Locke. He came and joined us 100 episodes previously to talk about Volume 1 before it was coming out and Spencer and Locke's comic series that is, like I said, a mix of Calvin and Hobbes meets Sin City. It's delightful. He came to talk to us about Volume 2, where then they start mixing in some elements of Beetle Bailey with a character named Roach Riley and also Fables. It sounds like it's going to be a heck of a ride. Come learn more about Spencer and Locke Volume 2 by checking out Episode 347 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. I hate shamelessly self-promoting, but this book looks really good, and I think you should take a look at it. And if it's something that interests you, you can pick it up next month in your local comic shop or pre-order it now because it's available in previews. Awesome. Stargate Pioneer. This is where Chris and I differ because I have no problem self-promoting. So this past <laughs> week on the Starling Tribune episode 227, we actually recorded a very special episode because it was about the 150th episode of the show Arrow called Emerald Archer. Uh, guys, I got to tell you, when Wing started this show back in 2013, I had no idea that we would still be talking about it seven years later in 2019. Yeah, For those of you that don't know the time, it's the seasons and stuff like that. So, yes, we're in the seventh season of Arrow right now, 150 episodes, and the production team on Arrow this year is as good as it's ever been. They did have a change in showrunners. Beth Schwartz is running it right now. It used to be Mark Guggenheim. And Beth is just killing it out of the park. And she did an amazing job on this. Now, in all truth, that the idea for the 150th episode actually was the original production team's idea back when they did the 100th episode, but she executed it great. And we talk all about it. So once again, that is Starling Tribune episode 227 about Emerald Archer. I have to say, one of my favorite episodes for a long time, and I was really, really, really deflated on the feedback I was seeing on Twitter after the airing of this episode, Arrow, because I went on immediately, and there was so much negativity that I was seeing about the style that was used for different parts of it, and I was like, that was phenomenal. I thought it was really, really good. I enjoyed it so much that I watched it twice within the course of a couple of days, and then... I had to listen as soon as I, I couldn't watch the live stream, but like about 20 minutes after they had finished uh, streaming the Starling Tribune this week, I was cooking dinner and I had it fired up as I was cooking dinner because I really wanted to hear all the different feedback and whatnot. And I love how much everybody uh, seemed to love it on that uh, on your panel there. And I really, really, really thought it was a really good episode for a 150 and way better than the 100th episode. 
I think that it was really well done and I was really, really impressed. So if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely do so because I think that it's a good episode for Arrow and just shows what sort of a milestone can end up uh, having. It can have an impact on the plot without actually being totally, totally, totally a filler. Yeah, unlike podcasts, getting 100 TV episodes is not guaranteed. And, and this is phenomenal to get 100. It, there are 150. Very few TV shows make it to 200. There have been some, but very few. So I don't know if we'll get to 200 or not. If we do, I can't wait to see what the production team has in store for this show. But there you go. That's going to take us to the end of the show. So for episode 275 of the official GunnaGeek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying I had a special co-host over my left shoulder. It was a snow cam. That's the only reason you should ever have a co-host over your left shoulder. The only one. I'm Chris Farrell, and I'm glad my phone is not in a puddle right now. And I'm SP with a great phone, and I might be looking over Steven's shoulder right now. Seriously. It's true. Co-host over your left shoulder? It's dated. Don't do it. What about my right shoulder? checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. <laughs>